0: Welcome to For Good Measure, an interview series celebrating diverse composers and other creative artists, sponsored by a grant from the California Arts Council. I'm Nanette McGuinness, Artistic Executive Director of Ensemble for These Times. In this week's episode, we continue our conversation with Pamela Z, who we spoke to in January 2021. A fascinating aspect of your work is how you break down language into sound and syllables. As in Bagada and geek speak, for example.
1: The the way that I often start the process of, of of composing a new work is to conduct a series of interviews with a large number of people who, well, you know, right a, a number of people ranging from a handful to often as many as twenty or thirty people. Um, one at a time, I bring them into my um, little soundproof. Uh, recording booth in my studio if I can. Um, otherwise I have to just find the most clean, pristine recording environment to, to get the, the interview in. And then I will record, um, I'll ask them a lot of questions and I'll record the interview. And then when I've amassed a whole series of these interviews, I will, in Pro Tools, I will edit each interview to isolate And make what we used to call regions, or I think they now call them clips, of um, little uh, speech fragments that will become part of the music. And those can be as long as full sentences or phrases, Um, but more often they're just like maybe a single word or even syllables or just phonemes. And I name them so that they're searchable for me later. So I have this bin then uh, that is full of hundreds and hundreds of these little named clips for any given project. Um, and they'll be named things like Um or GR, yes, I think so, you know. And then when I'm searching those, I can pull those up and build the music from those. I um, to start assembling these little clips into tracks in Pro Tools, and they actually kind of almost look like Legos. They're like little building blocks. That um, if you look at my any of my Pro Tools sessions, they have these sort of bricks that are sort of spread along throughout the tracks that are layered and overlapping with each other, and that's how I actually compose the actual music because these speech fragments actually become the music itself. Um, So when I do these interviews, it's the answers that people give me um, are both inspiration for making the work um, and give me ideas for making the work, but they also are the actual material that I use to make the work, um, literal material that I use to make the work. So the music is actually made out of the sound of these people speaking voices. Um, And then I often... um, Build the pieces by listening to those phrases and uh, fragments for this the pitches and rhythmic figures that are embedded in them, and I sort of tease out those sounds from the sounds themselves, from the speech sounds themselves. Um, a lot of people actually think of speech as being um, a lot of people think of speech as being unpitched. But in fact, it's not because there is no such thing as an unpitched sound because all sounds have frequency and pitch is frequency. So if you take little passages of spoken text, you can actually find what are those pitches and what are the rhythms that are being spoken, and those can be transcribed and notated musically so that they can be played um, or sung by musicians. So I often find some of the material that it becomes the work um, through kind of transcribing the rhythms and pitches in this uh, found text.
0: That's cool, yes. You talk about finding the sound and the shape and so forth for your pieces, and both your processes and your music seem very mindful and intentional. I find it fascinating the way you work with found sound and the intersection with 20th century art concrète and music concrète. For example, in your works such as the Muni section, which I really love, could you talk about that? <laughs> well,
1: I do think that um, a lot of the work that I compose is really in the realm of music concrete because I am using actual sounds, um, found sounds from the environment or you know from the world around me. Um, and uh, and I'm building the music, a lot of it out of those sounds. And I, I always like to say, especially if I'm talking to like giving a workshop or something like that, and I'm asking people to make a found sound or a found text piece, I always have to de- define what I mean by found sound and found text. So when we're talking about text, I think of found text as being text that is, um, was not intended by the author to be um art but was actually maybe instructions for doing something or the ingredients for something or um a method of assembling something that you bought from from a, a store like it from the instruction manual or you know um a, 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 no, like an official um notice that you may have gotten uh so i take that language And it becomes the libretto, it becomes the lyrics for the work, instead of using um, a a poem that was written by a poet that was intended from the very beginning to be art. Um, And so then that just becomes like setting somebody else's poetry to music, or writing my own poetry or lyrics. Um, I sometimes do write my own poetry or lyrics, but more often uh the the text is either found text um or it might be invented text uh like i might make sounds that are that sound languagey they sound verbal but they're actually in like some kind of uh invented language or a language from another planet um (laughs) so because as a singer actually and I think a lot of singers will relate to this, it's tricky, it's harder to sing music that has no syllables. I mean, it's it's hard to just sing anything other than sustained tones on just like solfege or vowel sounds, you know. Um, it's much easier to articulate rhythmic singing if you've got some consonants to land on. And it's more interesting, I guess, it, or it feels more natural uh and somehow communicative if there's some kind of verbal essence to to the sounds and so that's why i i enjoy i sometimes just start using found language because i just need something to hang the notes on and so the language does that for me um so i'm talking about found text now but i can also say that found, with found sounds i have a similar definition which is that uh, found sounds to me are sounds that are when you sample or record the sounds of actual objects or events that occur in your space or outside or whatever so it could be me dropping my keys on the concrete floor in my studio and recording that or it could be me filling basins of of uh of water in in my kitchen sink and splashing that water to to get some uh water samples um or it could be just recording the sounds of of emergency vehicle sirens as they go by or um, birds that are singing outside my window or, you know. Um, And so then those become found sounds as opposed to hiring a cellist or a trumpet player to come into my studio and then ask them to play scales throughout their entire range and record those sounds and then make a bank of samples of cello sounds or trumpet sounds. Those are just sampled musical instruments. Those aren't really found sounds. Um, so, uh, and I, and I tend more to use the found sounds than I, not that I've never used samples of, 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 uh, of musical instruments, but, um, when I m- use samples of my pieces more often than not, they will be found, found sounds.
0: Your baggage allowance comes
1: to mind here. There's actually two different sections in baggage allowance, at least two that use directly use language. Um, One of the sections is a piece called "Unknown Person." And "Unknown Person," the lyrics to that song are simply the questions that they always ask you when you um, when you go to uh, board a plane um, when you're traveling. I I think those questions were usually asked during international travel. Um, Did you pack your own bag, and so forth? Um, And then I have another section in that piece where I um, am simply reading the, the little love note that the TSA <laughs> leaves in your bag whenever they, um, whenever they open your bag to inspect it. Or usually, I have found there have been times when it seemed like it had been opened and they didn't put the note in, but they're supposed to put this note in. And I happen to have one right here. And it says, to protect you and your fellow passengers, the Transportation Security Administration is required by law to inspect all checked baggage. As a part of this process, some bags are open and physically inspected. Your bag was among those selected for physical inspection. <laughs> and it goes on from there. But so I have a piece in Baggage Allowance that, that um,
0: just uses that language as the text of the piece. Thank you for listening to For Good Measure. And a special thank you to our guest, Pamela Z, for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast by clicking on the subscribe button and support us by sharing it with your friends, posting about it on social media, and leaving us a rating and a review. To learn more about E4TT, our concert season online and in the Bay Area, or to make a tax-deductible donation, please visit us at www.e4tt.org. This podcast is made possible in part by a grant from the California Arts Council and generous donors like you. For Good Measures, produced by Nanette McGinnis and Ensemble for These Times and designed by Brennan Stokes. With special thanks to audio engineer extraordinaire Stephanie Newman. Remember to keep supporting equity in the arts and tune in next week for Good Measures.